We're going to be tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. If you take your Bibles and turn there, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. We're going to do some preaching here during the summer months on our theme, uh, Love God's Way. Uh, unless everybody here says, you know, we've, we've actually got that one figured out pretty well. We've got that figured out. And now let's move on to the next subject. I don't know any of us in our right mind would say, yeah, I'm right where I need to be on loving others God's way. But uh, so we're going to look at some of the epistles uh, and what the Word of God tells us uh, through those epistles. Of course, you think about 1 John, and I'm praying about what to do there. And just uh, Part of me wants to just do a full exposition. I know the youth just went through 1 John, right, Brother Seth, not too long ago. And uh, it wouldn't hurt you to get it again, would it? I don't think if we were to do that, it wouldn't hurt at all. Um, you've got siblings. You need help, for sure. Um, but uh, obviously, God's Word has a lot. But 1 Corinthians... No doubt, chapter 13 in particular is, I mean, it's known uh, for chari the charity passage, you know, what love God's way. And so we're going to look at chapter 12. And in many ways, I'm looking at the sermon tonight as somewhat the kickoff to this, maybe a mini series on uh, love God's way from the epistles and specifically 1 Corinthians 13. I'm praying about how to handle that, have it totally just settled uh, just how we're going to handle that. We, it was a 2017. I know we were in the gym when we preached through 1 Corinthians 12 or 1 Corinthians as a book, as a whole. And I think you'd also agree here too that it will not hurt us to revisit some of these, I think, uh, crucial passages for the New Testament church. So let's, let's just start reading. I'm not sure that we'll read the whole chapter, uh, but let's, let's just read and uh, gather as much of it as we can here tonight. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brother and I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man Here's the key to profit with all, to profit the whole body. All right, let's keep reading verse eight. For unto one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the same spirit. Is everybody getting the idea here? It's the spirits, it's the spirits doing this. Uh, to another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits, to another, divers kinds of tongues, to another, interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Verse 12, in case you zoned out for just a moment, verse 12 is where we are. <clears throat> Anybody else ever need that kind of help along the way? I know. <laughs> hey, listen, I know what it's like. Yeah, okay, I'm helping you. Verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been made, all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but what? Many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body. Well, um, foot with an attitude right there. <laughs> Is it not therefore of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, Brother McCracken's here tonight. I remember when you preached this, when the, the whole eye, some of you might remember, it got weird, but... If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? That's a good question. If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now, notice this, now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as 
It hath pleased who? Him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are ye many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more, the, those members, please pay attention right here to verses 22 and following, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are what? Necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, unto these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath, no, please notice this, God hath tempered the body together. He's so put this together, having given, given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. There it is, loving God's way, Right? caring for one another as members of this church body. Whether we be, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. My, we've experienced that, haven't we, along the way this year already as we've said goodbye to some of our dear members of this church and we've grieved with families. And by the way, we want to continue upholding them and not, not forget, you know, weeks and months later, they're still missing their loved one. You know, keep... Um, Encouraging them, or if one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. I guarantee if the Corinthians had written this, tongues would have been first. Because they were showcasing are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? The obvious answer is no. But he says this, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And actually that leads us right into chapter 13. He's basically saying this, listen, if you don't operate those gifts with love, you're running on the wrong fuel. It's like you're trying to run a, ga a gas engine on, on diesel. It just won't work right, you know, and, and you got to have love. In fact, it's like trying to run a car without gas in it. How's that? Yeah, you're not going to get anywhere because of charity. It suffereth long and is kind and so forth. So we did read the whole chapter. Um, so we're going to look at this. Here's what I'm calling it tonight. Quite simple. Loving your church family God's way. Loving your church family God's way. And so may God bless the reading of his word. We'll the little exposition and application here tonight of this text. Well, they were gifted. They just weren't spiritual. There's, they're not the same. You can be gifted and not spiritual. Okay. Now, if you are spiritual, you're actually gifted. In other words, what I'm saying is that if you're saved tonight, then the Spirit of God has gifted you. That's what the Word is saying. Every you say, no, I think I got missed. No, you didn't. You, you're gifted by God to serve this church family. You may say, well, I don't, I don't know that I can do very much. Well, just hang tight. Just hang tight. Just listen in here tonight. But there's a major problem going on in Corinth. And, and I know that many of you are very familiar with that. And I'm not going to take a lot of time to review the situation in Corinth. But suffice it to say, I mean, really, the church was in a mess in a lot of areas. Um, in fact, I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, the members were grieving the Holy Spirit by carnal ways in which they were using the spiritual gifts. I mean, we're in the section about the gifts right now and, and Paul's coming into that and, and he's saying, listen, they, the Spirit of God was grieved because of the way they were using the gifts. In fact, I like what he said here. He said, they were like children with toys instead of adults with tools. They were like children with toys. Uh, my toy's the best. That's mine. <laughs> rather than adults with tools. And they obviously needed to mature. Uh, now, the word charity is, is it's the word agape, but, and so agape shows up in the New Testament as love. So, but just a, a search on just the English word uh, uh, charity shows that it shows up, in fact, it shows up most in 1 Corinthians. Uh, it shows up 14 times out of 28. 
in the New Testament. The word charity. I mean, the word charity. Not, I'm not dealing with the Greek word. I'm talking about the English word charity. It shows up 14 times. 11 times it shows up in chapter 13. So obviously, we're talking about love God's way right here in this chapter. Now, most often we think about this word charity. In fact, we think about chapter 13. We hear it at weddings and we hear it used at uh, marriage retreats. And sure, I think rightly so, because um, it's a great passage. But its primary application, or let me say it this way, its first application is in the church family. And then secondarily, it can be applied to marriage. I'm not trying to mess up anybody's, if you got it on your wall and it had to do with your marriage and your wedding, then I'm not trying to take it off the wall. I'm just saying it's in the context of a local church. I do remember Sam telling about um, having a guest speaker in. I don't remember who it was or even if he said, but he said he had this individual in and, and he used 1 Corinthians 13. He brought Brother Sam and Miss Sandy out to the center of, uh, of attention and, and asked, asked Miss Sandy, Miss Sandy, does Brother Sam love you? And she said, yes, he does love me. And then he began to go through, charity suffereth long. Is Brother Sam long suffering with you? And she said, well, <laughs> most of the time. Oh, so he loves you most of the time. Let's move on to the next one. Is he kind? Well, yeah, overall. Oh, so he loves you overall. Brother Sam said, I wondered why did I invite this guy to come, right? <laughs> Hey, you know, he's making appropriate use of this text because in marriage, don't we need to suffer long? <laughs> That's not, that was not a good place to pause, right? Don't we need to suffer? <laughs> sure, yes. No, suffer long, long suffering. Don't we need to be kind? So certainly this could be applied to marriage, but with it being a, a local church book, in fact, the very last chapter ends this way. One of the verses in it says, let all your things be done with charity. So it's obvious that God intended for us to take this passage and apply it to how we're treating one another within the church family. In fact, um, uh, one man said this, he said, the things that Paul says love is not, like charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, you know, all those things that charity is not are the things they were doing. Okay, so listen to this list. I just thought about that quote and then applied it. Love doesn't envy and yet they were jealous of one another in church. Love um, doesn't attack others and yet they were taking each other to people's court, right? Well, not necessarily people's court, but they were taking each other to court, right? Um, love doesn't express itself in a shameful way and yet there's immorality in the church. Love isn't selfish, and yet the rich were, they were treating the poor in a, in a bad way, right? Love seeks the benefit of others, and yet they were in it for themselves. Love doesn't despise others, and yet they were looking down on those that ate meat offered to idols, or vice versa. You know, they were looking down on each other. Uh, it's obvious that they needed a lot of work, and, and listen, even if this was preventative, I think it'd be worth our time, but I would dare say probably we really need to give attention to this and make sure that we're applying the word of God the way that God wants us to in the area of loving one another. So first of all, let's, let's uh, review. And I'm not going to take the time to delve into every verse again, but I'm going to give you some scripture references. And first of all, it, the key to this is, as we saw, the spirit of God leading us. And the spirit of God is going to lead you, first of all, watch this, to have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a right relationship with Jesus Christ is based on what is truth. Now, Paul is, is referring back to how they were before they were saved. And he says, you Gentiles, uh, you, were, you were carried about, you were led away. I mean, they were, they were really living a, a wild life in what's called, sometimes you'll see it if you do some study in New Testament studies, you'll see it as this, the mystery religions. How many of you maybe have seen that terminology, the mystery religions? Okay, mystery just has to do with this. They had secret societies and then they had initiations into those societies and, and they would work themselves up into a frenzy. I mean, all kinds of wild stuff went on in paganism. All right, now, I think it'd be worth us mentioning this by way of a caution uh, Jesus said he did nothing in secret. So any society as in the Masons or in other societies that are quote, quote, secret societies, if the truth is really that good, it ought to be for everybody. 
Okay, so God doesn't condone secret societies. All right, so anyways, that, that was free. All right, so that they were a part of this where, where um, their behavior was really out of control. And what was happening is that members of the church, in fact, this is a big theme in the book of 1 Corinthians, is that what was going on in culture, they were bringing that culture into the being the culture of the church. Now, a boat is not in trouble that is in the water unless water starts getting into the boat. And so a local church living in a ungodly pagan world is not in trouble unless we begin to allow elements of the world's culture to come into the church. Okay, so we've got to keep the water out. They were letting the water in in this form. What they had going on by wild ecstasy es- ex- uh, in, in terms of their pagan religion and, and just rolling around and, and, and uh, literally speaking in tongues or honorable un- languages and so forth, they were striving for that in the church. Now, how many of you say, you know, that's got some modern ring to it? Some wild things going on under the banner of Christianity that is nowhere near truth. Emotionalism and seeking the next experience to the neglect of truth. Listen, the Spirit of God, when He's involved, never leads you to lose control. The Spirit of God, one of the fruit of the Spirit of God, is temperance. And so He's going to bring rather self-control, not barking or rolling around on the ground. <clears throat> okay, that was also free, right? So um, the Believer's Bible commentary said this, exalting the sign gifts above all the others led to pride on one hand. Can you see this? Because literally there were members of the Corinthian church who were speaking in tongues and they were saying, we're more spiritual than you are because you haven't spoken tongues. All right? Now, now, wait a minute. Stand to reason here that if it is the gifting of the Holy Spirit, now we understand that that tongues and the revelatory sign gifts, uh, that they have ceased, right? They're no more in operation today. But in the time when Paul was writing this, they were in operation. But, but watch this. If it is the Spirit of God that would give a certain individual the ability to speak, by the way, in a known language, a foreign language, that's what was going on in the book of Acts. It's no different than what was going on here in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians. And so if it's the Spirit of God that is giving severally as He will, then who were they to try to get a gift that really wasn't given to them? Okay. So it exalted pride on one hand or brought pride on one hand and brought envy and inferiority on the other hand or feeling like, well, I'm useless as a member of this church. Um. They were failing to love each other in the way that they were showcasing their spiritual gifts. Now, listen, all of us ought to take heed to that because there are ways that we can showcase our gift. And when you do that, you're not loving the church, you're loving yourself. So be careful about that. If God's gifted you to sing or God's gifted you to teach or preach or, or he's gifted you in giving or he's gifted you in one of these other areas that are mentioned in helps and so forth, don't do that to get attention to yourself because then what you're doing is you're using God to make yourself look good. Okay. And God doesn't tolerate that. He, he alone ought to get the glory. We tend to be glory hogs. Um, many today are looking for the next religious experience without regard for truth. One man said this, a test of anything that calls itself Christian is not its significance or its success or its power. In fact, those things make the test even more imperative. You get what it's saying? Just because they meet in a big auditorium, just because they have a big following, does not mean that it is passing the test of truth. All you got to do is just turn on TBN. They got a huge following, but that does not mean that they are of God because what they're doing is not not according to scripture. In fact, I mean, uh, one of the helpful books I read was actually by John MacArthur. I disagree with him strongly on his view of the atonement, but he wrote a very helpful book called Charismatic Chaos. And in that, he gave some examples that's going on in the world and even modern examples at that time. It's a little bit dated, but a woman who reported to have her flat tire healed. I mean, you say, man, I'd like to try that. Just go over and lay hands on it. It's healed. A report of a lady whose dog learned to bark in an unknown bark. 
I have no idea how you decipher that, okay, he's speaking a different mark. I mean, this gets ridiculous, right? You say, these things don't really happen. No, (laughs) hang on, one more, it's worse. Jan Crouch reports that a pet chicken was raised to life in Costa Rica. Pet chicken. Okay, why, why? Somebody asked that question, would you please? Why? Why do these things, why do they emphasize these things? Well, when you leave truth behind, experience is trumping everything. But we've got to let truth guide our experiences and be our, our touchstone. So I'm only dealing with that because the first part of the chapter does. And the Spirit of God will lead you into a right relationship with God. All right, now watch this. The next move is this. Once the Spirit of God has led us into a right relationship here, then it will lead us into a right relationship here. How many times have we emphasized that along the way? And how many times should we continue to do so? That listen, if things aren't right here, things aren't gonna be right here. And so if things aren't right here, get things right here, All right? So then once you have things right here, then they can be right there. And so that's what he's dealing with is that the Spirit of God will help you to have things right between you and other believers. In fact, you can have things right between you and be totally different because God made you different. God made you special. There's not another one of you like you. That's a blessing, isn't it? Now, some of you got somebody else in mind. Right? Thinking, man, I'm glad there's another, another, one, another one like him or like her, right? But that, that shows our creativity. By the way, we've got all this emphasis on diverse, diversity today. But listen, this is not diversity just for the sake of diversity. This is not diversity to be trendy. This is not diversity to the neglect of morality. This is not diversity uh, that would threaten unity. It's God's creativity and his ability to create diversity and yet unity all at the same time. For the benefit of all. And so all those gifts are mentioned there to work towards the same goal. Just Monday night, had opportunity, a little bit extra time. is a real blessing to be able to go and play some one-pitch softball. That is a tradition of camp that needs to be passed on generation after generation. Can I get an amen right there, young people? To generation to generation. Man, I love one-pitch. I played one-pitch when I was a teenager. And so anyways, they're learning that. It's just a little bit of a spin on softball. But you know, we had, uh, I guess maybe we'll have 10 people on, the, on each team, somewhere right in there perhaps. And every one of those positions is important. What, what would the team, how would it function without a catcher? You say, well, just put whoever there at the catcher spot. No, you need a good catcher. Well, what about right field? Is right field important? Come on, right field's important. You say, yeah, but you know, you don't get a lot of balls pulled out to, to right field. I understand that, but you'll get some. I'm just simply saying this, every single position is important. And every position within the church, every gift within the church is equally important to the church because number one, it's given by God. Number two, God wants to use you in your area of giftedness to be a help to the whole, to the whole picture. And so we had a lot of balls hit to third base and shortstop and second and first and, and rover and all, all these other positions out there in the outfield and everybody was doing their part. And, and man, we had a great time. Okay, look, that's how church is supposed to work. Everybody knowing their position and not saying, well, I wish I had their position. And no parents saying, I wish my little leaguer had their position. That's what's wrong with the little league baseball is parents. All right, man, we're, we're just covering everything tonight, okay? Everything. We're doing love God's way in peewee and <laughs> little league. Amen. Okay, so if it is the Spirit of God that gives gifts, then why are more gifts not functioning? It could be that there's somebody here that says, you know, I just don't think I have anything to offer. Based on the word of God tonight, again, I differ with you in that regard, lovingly to say, listen, you've got a gift that needs to be used in this church family. And I'm, and I'm glad to see that so many, of course, are. But you know, another thing that could hinder the use of a spiritual gift is just a lack of a spiritual walk. It may be that you are very gifted by God. No, no one has all the gifts. But some may have a couple of gifts or maybe three or so. I don't know. I don't, I'm just going by what you observe in the text and, and maybe you just have one. I don't, I don't know. But I do know this. Based on the text, you do have one. But you've got to be walking in a way that God can use that. That's right. 
And I wonder if this church family is not experiencing the level of love and, and ministry that we should because you're not walking in the spirit the way that you ought to so that your gift could be used. Would you, would you think about that? Just, think, just consider that to make sure that you're walking in the spirit so that uh, God is getting the glory from the way that he's gifted you. All right, now loving each other God's way then allows the spiritual gifts to be used for the benefit of the whole church, for the whole church. And that's what he's dealing with in verses 12 and following. Uh, by the way, um, verse 13 has, has been misunderstood. Anytime you see body in New Testament, it's in reference to the local church body. It can't be a universal body. That's just nowhere in scripture. So that applies to verse 13 as well. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. And so we're, we're saved by the spirit of God. When, when, you, when you're, hang on. When you trust Jesus as your savior, the spirit of God places you in Christ forever. You are in Christ. And the, the way that that is expressed physically by way of the ordinance is, is in baptism, water baptism. It does not, of course, make that happen because there's no water that could save you. You're already saved, but your baptism brings you into the church membership. And so the Spirit of God was at work to see these individuals saved and then also to see that they join the church by baptism. So when you see body in the New Testament, we've got to think local assembly because otherwise you got body parts all over the world. Okay, that was a terrible illustration, but it just doesn't work that way. The body's got to be together. All right, so that's what he's talking about here in uh, this, this section of scripture. Some then, um, well, the Spirit's going to lead you to have the right attitude then. You're part of this body. You're a member of this church, you're part of this body. We are the body of Jesus Christ at 54th and Blackwelder. Um, think about our, our dear friends up, uh, say in Tulsa at Eastland Baptist Church, that's the body of, of Christ in Tulsa. Okay, I mean, that's scriptural. Now, if you're saved, you're part of the family of God. And the family of God is big, all right? And family can be spread out all over the place. That's different. In fact, I was just uh, interacting with um, Manny Jimenez's dad, and he said, you know, it's amazing how that when you're around somebody, even for a short time, I believe it was Brother Manny, that was his dad that was saying this, and they're a believer and you're a believer, even when you're on vacation, you don't even know them. Instantly connection. That's being in Christ. That's being in, in the family. So family of God and the body are different things. Okay, it's very important doctrinally that we keep that straight. Okay, because there's no universal invisible body. No big C church. Okay, and, uh, and those that say, well, churches never shows up plural, they've not read their Bible. Because there's plenty of instances where he talked to the churches. So if he was going to say, I'm going to speak to the church, he could have just said that. But to the churches that are in is this making sense? All right. If a church begins to go wrong doctrinally, oftentimes it happens in, in ecclesiology, in, in the matter of the local church doctrine. That's why we've got to keep that straight. Now, the Spirit of God is leading us to have a right attitude about your church family. And that's where we're at in verse 15 and 16 when he says the foot, if he says, well, if I'm not the hand, I don't want to be in the body. I mean, just why don't I get to greet people? The foot says, huh? <laughs> okay, bear with me here. Why don't I get to hold the Bible? They always get to hold the Bible. I never get to hold the Bible. <laughs> this is getting silly. It's going to get worse. Hang on. <laughs> why can't I take up the offering? <laughs> but wait a minute. Who's walked down that aisle? Who, who takes you to knock doors? who takes you to work every day. It's your feet. Listen, it may, it may seem like it's unimportant, but it plays a very vital part. 
And, and your part in this local church body may not be as known. In fact, you, you've been serving here for years. Many of you, I think about people that have been greeting and people that have been working nursery for years and have never been applauded, have never been up on this platform, have never had a, a spot in the service. But listen, God knows your service and he knows how you, he's gifted you. And you're just as vitally important to this body as this preacher is or the song leader is or anybody else is in this church family. The ears say, why do the eyes get all the attention? They put makeup on them for girls. Why do they get all the attention? Why, why do the eyes get all the romantic songs? Nobody ever sings a romantic song about the ears. I don't know of any. All we get is do your ears hang low? Do they wobble to and fro? Thank God for your eyes. But if you didn't have ears, how would you hear? Thank God for your ears. Thank God for your eyes. Thank God for your hands. Thank God for your feet. In other words, what I think a big part of what we're supposed to get out of this message tonight is we ought to go out of here saying, thank God for that member. Thank God for that member that has played the piano for 40 some years. Thank God for the, the member that has handed out bulletins. Thank God for the person that has opened the door. Thank God for the person that's, that's changing a diaper here tonight. Thank God for the people that were out working the security. Thank God for Angel Madrano, who's on the second floor, that's watching out the south side, who's still listening to the message I trust even right now. Thank God for people that just are in their place. If the whole body were an eye, that'd be weird. If the whole body were an ear, that'd be weird. God has placed you where you are in this church body as it pleased him. So listen, since he placed you in this church body, don't displace yourself. Don't displace yourself. He placed you here in this church body. It may be that you, you're having a hard time fitting in. And that's part of the reason I want to preach this message tonight. We, we ought to collectively as a church family make sure that everybody feels like they belong here. So if God has placed the person sitting up in the balcony tonight in this church body, and I believe that he has, and the person over here and, and the person over here, Brother Kenyon, I just saw Brother Kenyon there. He's placed him in the church body a long time ago placed him here. Yeah. Placed Brother Greg here a long time ago. Came back. He's here. It's a blessing. Brother Randy, different ones. I could go through and name a, a good majority here. He's placed you here in this church body. So if God has placed an individual here in this church body, that's what scripture says he's done, then who would you say, you don't belong here? Or even to give the sense that you don't belong here. Well, we ought not have that at all. And I don't think that we do that intentionally. But if somebody sits by themselves or stands by themselves, young people, I challenge you, find somebody that's just standing by themselves and go talk to them. And they may not be in your circle of friends, but adults, the same thing. You see somebody standing out in the foyer by themselves. There's so many times, even as a pastor, that, that you know, I'm, I'm wanting to greet them. And it's, I'm not doing that because it's my job, although a pastor ought to be friendly. It, it, it will help ministry a lot if a pastor is friendly. But I want to do that because I'm a Christian. So, you know, I may be talking to someone and I don't want to be rude and, and talk past them to get to somebody else. Sometimes I will say, if it's a guest or somebody, I may say to a member, hey, would you excuse me just, just a second? I want to try to catch that individual as they're going out, you know. Uh, but we all need we all need to have that mentality. And you do. In fact, I, I, we just recently have had people that have commented on that. So I compliment you. I encourage you about that. Keep doing that because when people come in here and it's their first time, it can be overwhelming and they already feel like they don't fit. So when you're super friendly and, and especially when they walk in here and they see a bunch of suits and they think, good night, I don't belong here. There's a bunch of lawyers in here. <laughs> No, there's a lot of people that have met with lawyers maybe in here. I'm just kidding. But there's a lot of people that, you know, maybe there are lawyers. I'm, I'm just simply saying, no, it's, it, the suit can, can kind of be 
off turning to somebody and, 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 uh, and we ought not ever make somebody feel funny for the way they dress. You know, as they come in here, let's just love on them. Just right where they are. And in fact, because they come in here and they're already kind of apprehensive about this, and maybe they also are struggling with some sins, maybe secret sins or, or some things they're embarrassed about, they really need somebody just to reach out and be a friend to them. And that'll make them want to come back, especially if it happens out in the foyer. It's going to happen even more so if, they, if somebody says, man, they, I mean, they greeted me at my car. I just barely got out. In fact, I almost hit them with the door. Just being friendly. And, and don't let anybody feel like they don't belong here. Nobody here is more part of the body than another part of the body. Older members of our church should not feel like they're lesser members due to their age. You know, I, I know that I don't think that happens here. In fact, I, one of the most exciting classes on the property is a real people's class. Isn't that right? And some of our other adult classes. I mean, um, I'm thankful for that because it is sad at this time as a new generation comes on the scene, how the older generation feels edged out. So let's not have that. So younger people that are here tonight, get to know some of the older people and uh, befriend them, talk to them, talk to them. All, young people, y'all listen to this. Talk to them. Go talk to somebody that's got, you know, um, silver hair or no hair, right? Or limited hair. Um, talk to somebody that maybe came in here with a cane. Talk to somebody that came here pushing a walker. You know, you know here's why, because they have so much to offer to you. They really do. And an older generation here tonight. Don't avoid the young people and thinking, man, they make me feel uncomfortable. Go over there and make them feel uncomfortable. It's awesome. I'm not saying be purposefully awkward, <laughs> but just go and talk to them. We got to bridge the gap because we don't need a schism in the body. So the young people shouldn't feel like they're lesser members. New members, it may be that you're a new member here and you're having a hard time because, man, people here have known each other for 40 years and it's hard to kind of get in there. I start to get in and I get pushed out. So I call on all the, those of you that have been members of the church a long time, include a new family in when you go to McAllister's or include a new family in when you go out to eat on Sunday night, wherever you go. Be a practical way and just help them feel apart. Because, um, you know, that, that can be really difficult. And we don't do it intentionally, do we? I don't think so. And I'm not preaching to you like you're guilty. I'm just, I'm trying to stir you up by way of remembrance that we need to be mindful of these things in a practical way that, you know, there's, there's a, a, a man here that he doesn't feel like he fits in. And he really wants to, and somebody just needs to help him to feel that way. You know? And there's a young family here the same way, or, or a lady, maybe a single mom that, that really could just use some friendship right now. You know, I think people stay in church because of preaching and teaching. They know they need God's word. But I'll tell you another reason I believe people that maybe have been out of church or not in church, but then they get faithful in church is because somebody becomes their friend. Uh, and, and everybody's important. Everybody's important. Let me ask you this tonight. Which, which part of your car is the most important part? <laughs> yeah, the AC. Somebody said the AC. All right. All right. I think we probably would all say, yeah, that's probably about right right here. Absolutely. <laughs> that's good. You know, a lot of cars have some incredible ignition systems and computer systems and so forth. But where would your car be without the oil drain plug? Am I saying that right? Where would your car, I'll tell you where it'd be, on the side of the road, overheating because all the oil is going to drain out. Some of you don't even know that you got a plug 
in your car. But I guarantee you'd find out in a hurry if somebody took it out. You may feel like you're the oil drain plug here at this church. Well, if that's the case, be the best one. <laughs> because your part really does help hold us together. Ah, they won't miss me at that church. Well, we need to be missing you at the church. That's another thing we need to work on. And if you see somebody that's not here or you, you don't see somebody that, you, you got it. <laughs> Let them know that you missed them. It's not bugging them. It's just because sometimes people that get crossways um, spiritually, I mean, their problem is with God, ultimately. But what they'll use is to say, well, nobody from that church contacted me and I was gone for two months. And that's happened, sadly. And, I, and every time it does happen, I say, look, I'm sorry. You know, we've gotten busy. It's not intentional. Um, so let's, let's not give them an excuse. And, and more importantly than that, your contact with them could help them. Because it's one thing if the pastor does or one of the pastoral staff does. But I think it means even more when you do. When you say, hey, brother, hey, sister, I, I missed you. I haven't seen you on, on Wednesday night. I haven't seen you in Sunday school. I haven't seen you. Is everything all right? Is everything all right? That's, that's good to do. The church works together in unity when all the members take their place in, in ministry, especially as we care for the feeble as it has here or the weak. Uh, let, me, let me just talk to you about this and then we'll, we'll be finished here tonight. This word feeble means weak, which actually Jesus used it about the flesh is weak, which means then that all of us are weak. There's not one of us here that's a strong Christian. We're actually all very weak people and can do nothing without God's help and God's grace. But according to what Jesus said in Matthew 25, the sick are feeble or the sick are weak. So we need to visit the sick. And we really make an effort to try to do that, to visit them in their homes or in the hospital. But there's a special group that I want to remind you about tonight, and that would be the shut-ins. I look out and I see some of the deacons, and they, they do a very diligent job of trying to keep up with widows and widowers. But let me, let me just encourage you here tonight. Um, if you want to be a blessing and you want and you need to be blessed... <laughs> I don't mean that in a selfish way. I'm just simply saying it happens every time I go to visit a shut-in. I come away from there just saying, God, thank you. I remember visiting Miss Barbara Painter before she passed away. And bless her heart. I mean, she was, she was in the nursing home a long time and she, because she needed that. She has a loving family, Miss Janice Merlo's mom. But it really was beyond their care. And so she's in the nursing home down here on Western and I'd walk in there, and I, I kid you not, some of you have been there, stacks of, of CDs or DVDs. And she was faithfully watching them and witnessing to those nurses. And I'd go in there to try to be an encouragement and blessing to her, and I'm telling you she was a blessing to me. Let's visit the shut-ins. Visit the shut-ins. And if you want to get involved in that, and you say, I don't know where to start or who to visit, then, then uh, Brother Ben Zwanger could help, or uh, Brother Perkle could help. We could, we could help to get a list of shut-ins. And there's people that do go out every week, and I'm so grateful to God for that. Another group in the church I want to highlight here just a moment are those with a sinful past. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, and in 8, and in 9, it actually refers to those that, that are weak, in faith and they struggle with temptation, they give in to temptation. Sometimes it's sexual temptation. Sometimes it's drugs. Sometimes it's alcohol. Uh, sometimes um, it's, other, it's other sins. And um, we all have our struggles. But there are some in our church family that just need some extra help right now. Some extra help. I think of it as intensive care type situations. And so uh, maybe God would use you to be a help to somebody that's just having a real struggle. It could be in their marriage. Those of you that have a strong marriage could, have, could be a real help to those that, that are just struggling right there. You know. Isn't that right? Yeah. We have some men coming, uh, maybe some even here tonight that are right here in Oklahoma City. Brother Ted, because of his role as a chaplain in Oklahoma City, had an inroad. And some men coming from a new um, new home here, rehabilitation home, and I'm forgetting the name of it just right now, but we've got some, about four or five men that are coming uh, pretty steadily. 
Uh, may God help us to love on them. We have people that, have, that are here that uh, just got out of jail or just got out of prison. Let's love on them. You say, well, I don't know. We better watch them. Uh, hey, you better watch you. <laughs> right? Let's love on them. In the month of June, God willing, I'm planning to preach a message, adapted message I preached up at campus. And it's called this Applying Transformational Love to the Transgender Issue. I believe as we go on, we're going to continue to have more and more issues. We're already experiencing it in some of the younger cl classes and grades and in the college age, but we're going to be dealing with transgenderism and, and uh, homosexuality and same-sex attraction. Paul said here that such were some of you. They were saved out of a life, uh, a life of being an uh, uh, abuser of themselves with mankind is a terminology he uses in 1 Corinthians 6. And, and the effeminate is the terminology he uses there. God saved them out of that. And they need, in, they need help. They need encouragement. So in the month of June, strategically during what's called Pride Month in the world, I hope to preach a message about, maybe a couple messages, about how can we as a church family biblically love and that means we can't condone, but we can help some that have struggles. And the scriptures here tell us how to do that. Those that are weak, they need uh, even more attention. They need even more support, even more help. And he talks about those that are less honorable and those that are uncomely, uh, those that are unattractive. What do, you, what do you do with the unattractive part of your body? I think about maybe your feet. Now, <laughs> you know, some of you wear sandals and that's fine. I'm not on that, but my feet are ugly, right? So what do I do? I put shoes on them. <laughs> what I'm saying, just by the illustration, is that those that, that need some extra help, you give them extra help. You know, take extra good care of them. When one member suffers, we all ought to suffer. In fact, when you, you do that, you get up at night, <clears throat> And you're walking to get a drink or something, you stub your toe. That's terrible, isn't it? Especially if it's your little toe, pinky toe. What do you, what do, you do? What do you do? <laughs> if you can reach it. <laughs> you get down on your back and hold your toe. What does your hands do? I don't know. It just helps it feel better. <laughs> right? You hit your thumb with a hammer. Mm. Healing powers. Your body does that, right? When one member suffers, the whole body suffers. If you say, man, I'm not feeling well. It may be you've got a bad headache, but you say, I'm not feeling well. That means I'm, my whole body, I just hurt. When one member suffers, the whole body suffers with it. When one member goes through a valley, the whole body goes through the valley together. When one member is honored, everybody is honored. Okay, for example, when, when a man runs a race and he wins a race, and they place that medal. They put it over his neck. They don't put it over his feet. Well, if the feet said, hey, hey, down here. Come on, he didn't do anything. No, it's recognizing it, it took the whole body. So say when, when uh, somebody has, you know, a, a wedding and a couple's doing things right, we rejoice together. Something like that. We all rejoice. A, a, a young person gets saved. We all rejoice in that. That's it. <clears throat> Conclusion. We need to think more we, less I. We need to think more us, less me. Yeah. Find a place to get involved. I know we emphasize it often. In fact, I want to thank God for how many got involved in the bus ministry. It's really helping and those that are uh, helping us, Sunday school helpers, we actually still need some more helpers if some of you'd like to get involved in Sunday school. I, Miss Melanie has not said anything to me about needing help in the nursery, but I would imagine that she probably does. So I'm going to say we need more help in the nursery. By faith, I believe that we do. And if she says, no, we don't, then just come back in the service. But we probably need help in the nursery. We'll need help in vacation Bible school. And I appreciate that many take off even from work to be able to do that. And uh, it looks like we'll have another big youth conference this year. 
And God bless those of you that help out with food or with childcare or, or other areas. Um, but, you know, I mean, we've already got more people, it seems like, signing up earlier than normal, uh, which is wonderful. But that means it needs to be a whole church effort. And so we need, we need that help. Men, I encourage you to come to the men's prayer meeting. That's a great way to help and care for your church family by interceding for them, to pray for them. But um, for the final finally tonight, since I've already announced the conclusion seven times, um, let, let's do what our part is. You do what your part is. Let's all do our part to create an atmosphere in here of one that's love God's way. Does that make sense? And we're, we're not going to hold back and, pre, and go soft on sin because you don't go soft on sin when you love God's way. But as we take a strong stand, we need to have a right spirit, right position and disposition. But let's, let's make sure that we're doing our effort and your part to really create that atmosphere, that culture. I don't know what else to call it except just that. I think you get it. Of just loving one another and strangers God's way. Let's stand together. <clears throat> So if we're going to do that, we're definitely going to need God's help tonight. So that's, that's the invitation to love God's way. And certainly all of us, we need to start at home. And that certainly would apply there. But it is a letter to a church. And so we do need to start at church in loving God's way. So Father, thank you tonight. Help us, Lord. Um, we all need your love and others need your love. So we want to be a channel through which you may love others. And so God, I pray you'd help us to be balanced with grace and truth. And I thank you for a loving church family. And I see it every week. People without any recognition from others would just love on, on your people. And it's a blessing, God. I thank you for it. And I just pray this has been a challenge too. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to be a loving church family to everyone that enters these doors and everybody that grows up here and everybody that's apart. God, help us tonight, I pray. Help the new members of the church in particular. I would imagine tonight there's somebody here that just doesn't feel like they're fitting in. Would you help, Lord, through somebody here tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. Page 257 is what we're singing softly and tenderly. God is... Spoke to your heart. Let's uh, have a time of turning aside for an invitation. Brother Gary, if you'll lead us.